Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to The Back Row from What I Watch Tonight. My name is Matt Hudson, and this is Retrospectives. It's my show to discuss a favourite movie with someone who shares that same opinion. And joining me in The Back Row tonight, he's the greatest graphic and web designer in the galaxy. He's a big movie fan, and he's an advocate of good beer too. It's Isaac Pevy. How are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. I'm actually drinking a beer right now. Have you got a beer? I've got a cup of tea. You've got a cup of tea. I thought yeah. we agreed we were going to have a beer together. I know. What, what have you got on you? I am currently drinking a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, in the little stubby one with the green uh, label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest, I think I like, I like the bottle more than the beer. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, it's, it's pleasant, you know. It's going down nice. Sometimes I've been drinking a lot of the, you know, the uh, standard lagers. Um, and it's nice to have a bit of the old Pale Ales back in my life. Um, it's nice to have a bit of taste. Yeah, and I've, I've got that in spades, mate. So. Yep, I was a man of great <laughs> taste. And for you guys listening, you'll hear me call him Isaac and Isaac. I apologise, Isaac is very aware of this and he's allowed me to call him Isaac. You can call him whatever you want, mate. I'm not like I cannot pronounce his first name. Sue me. So, Isaac, uh, for everyone listening out there, for our dear listeners, tell tell them what you do and what you've done in the in the movie-verse. Okay, so I am a uh, graphic and web designer. Um, people probably know me most for doing all of the Star Wars sessions, graphics and the website and etc. I'm also the voice behind the Instagram stories when uh, <laughs> cons were a thing for Star Wars mm. sessions as well. Friend, I'm a friend of the sessions, friend of the sessions. But also, actually, Matt, you might not even know this about me. I used to work for a uh, train company, um, basically uh, selling the trains and the stations as locations for films. Did you know this about me? I've known you for a good little time now, and you've never once mentioned that. I've never mentioned that, have I? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, no, yeah. Isaac I mean, knows I love film. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I've never told you that. To What's be a fair, better thing to talk about, um, obviously. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I've never not been intentionally. I'm not that, but yeah, I used to um, deal with location managers and stuff. Did that for about a year, so it was a good laugh. Met a few people. Um, had to. There was a film that came out. Actually, it was uh, Gemma Arterton and Dominic Cooper. Do you remember it? Um, I can hear you furiously googling away now. So what it might it's be called? The Escape. Okay, not the one I thought. No. Yeah, directed by Dominic Savage. Do you know how much it got at the box office? Uh, $32,000. $511,000, so a bit better. But... <laughs> Sorry, who but Dominic yeah, Savage? I met, I met those two, and nice. um, that was nice, and it was bizarre being on a high-speed train and, you know, watching these A-listers film. But that was it was a good laugh. It was a good laugh, that job. I enjoyed it. I'm in the midst of an A-list collaborator, which is a... Pretty good for the show to be able to say that's going to be on tap. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, mate. A-list schmoozer, <laughs> Isaac Pevy. Oh, I also, meant, I also met Samantha Bond doing that as well. There you go. See, so, you know what I mean? See, you're, you're a man a of culture. Pop yeah. culture fiend. But Isaac <laughs> is the greatest web designer in the galaxy. He knows his beer. Oh, he most certainly is. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to, uh, we'll give all the social links as to where to find Isaac later on as well. So, tonight, I haven't mentioned what film we're talking about because it's a mystery. You'll find that funny in a minute, or you won't do, because we're talk- tonight we're talking about Knives Out. Usually the films we talk about could range from a film from the 60s to you know the 90s to the last few years. This one is bang smack, extremely very new in the last seven months. So as we always do, 
the admin, as I like to call it. Here we go. Deep breath. It's directed by Ryan Johnson, who previously directed Brick, The Brothers Bloom, Looper, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. You may have heard of it. It stars, this is the deep breath now, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, Chris Evans as Hugh Drysdale, Hugh Ransom Drysdale, Anna Diarmas as Marta Cabrera, Jamie Lee Curtis as Linda Drysdale, Michael Shannon as Walt Thromby, Don Johnston as Richard Drysdale, Tony Collette as Joni Thromby, Lakeith Stanfield as Lieutenant Elliot, Catherine Langford as Meg Thromby, Jaden Martell as Jacob Thromby, and Christopher Plummer as Harlan Thromby. As I say, released very, very recently, November the 27th, 2019. It was it was made for $40 million and it returned $309.2 million worldwide. It was nominated for the Best Original Screenplay for Ryan Johnson at the Oscars. What's it about? It's a modern whodunit. Uh, this film follows a family gathering which has gone a bit awry after Harlan Thromby, well, he's apparently committed suicide and this leads a master detective to investigate. Now, if you haven't seen the film, we are going to go full spoiler. That one is extremely uh, relevant now because it's a newer film. If you haven't seen Knives Out, it's two hours and ten minutes long. Go watch it. Come yeah, back. You really don't listen to this. Yeah, um, don't if, listen to this if you haven't no, seen it, it. It's one of those films. Sometimes it doesn't matter if a film gets spoiled. This one it does. Don't let this film get spoiled. Yeah, go in as clean as possible. So go watch it. Come back. Listen to myself and Isaac absolutely whack lyrical about it and see if you agree with us. And if you don't, I'll give you the links at the end to let Isaac know why you disagree. So the first question is, Isaac, firstly, did you go see this fairly close to opening night? And why on earth is this so dear to you? I didn't see this in the cinema, actually. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't really going to the cinema. I, always wanted, I wanted to, but I just wasn't going to the cinema a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it probably... When did I see it? It's probably Feb- February, March time. So okay. quite recently, quite really. Recently, yeah. I think it was actually a quarantine movie. But sometimes, you know, Matt, you just know, don't you, mate? Yeah. You just know. And uh, this film has, I think, in terms of films I've seen, I struggle to find fault with this film in almost every aspect. Um, it's one of those films that there's not really any fat. Um, the writing, everything's tied up in a bow. Every performance is good. I thought marketing it as a whodunit was masterful because you found out you find out who done it within the first twenty minutes or so. <laughs> um, they marketed it as a whodunit, and like it, Daniel Craig was not the star of this movie. I mean, it's it said he was. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. Does that? Would you agree with that? Um, he's the top build, but he's not the focus of the film. Absolutely yeah. not. No, no, no. Um, just absolutely brilliant. At, like honestly phenomenal because the last person you're thinking of during this film is Anna uh, during, before the film is Anna Diarmas and she just she absolutely smashes it she absolutely smashes it I love this film it's I just I can't I can't speak highly enough of it which is a good reason why we got Isaac on the back row to talk about it because I too think this film is wonderful obviously I remember when the um the last Jedi was coming out and Ryan Johnson had this little film called Knives Out, little indie film they called it, little alternative project for After the Last Jedi. And I was like, oh, Knives Out sounds cool. And it, the only thing we knew about it was as a mystery film, like a murder mystery. And like, that sounds interesting because Murder on the Orient Express wasn't very good with bless old Kenneth Branagh. And I was really psyched for this film. And then news of who was going to be in it started to um, come out. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in it. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, you know, has come off hereditary and things like that. 
uh, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Lang, you know, this, the list goes on. And Anna Diamas, who was so good in Blade Runner 2049. Suddenly I was like, you know, all this, all these big, big names and also key, uh, quite key, brilliant actors want to sign up to work with Ryan Johnson, which is firstly a massive, massive pat on the back for, for Ryan. It's a whiff of, um, it's a whiff. It, it felt, uh, when the cast was announced, it felt quite Wes anderson Does that make sense? No, yeah, yeah. The, the ensemble. Yeah, there are a few. There are very few directors who can just get that many styles together on one project. Yeah, and it made me confident for the writing. So I was like, well, they must. There must be something in this, other than you know, it's a it's a genre piece. There must be something in the writing. And like you mentioned, man, the dialogue in the screenwriting and this is so tight. And it, I think I honestly think this is masterfully written. I really genuinely do. And we've had issues with uh, in other shows with some like some of the comedy Ryan Johnson's used before. In this film, nailed it. He smashed it. I, d- I don't know what what happened. I mean, I'm I don't mind the comedy so much, but there are jokes that fall flat in the Last Jedi. There are none that fall flat in this film. It's like he got a it. He really strikes me, which is bizarre to say of someone that's done a Star Wars film, but he strikes me as a director that's still growing. And he's getting yeah, no, better yeah. with every film. Does that make sense? So I thought The Last Jedi was better than Looper. I like Looper, but I think The Last Jedi is a better film. Yep. And this is just, this is a 10, this film. It's just a 10. Like, I can't find fault with it, which is going to be, I don't know, is that boring? But I just, no. I just struggled to find fault with it. Well, that's the whole point of this show is it's a film we love, so we are going to gush about it. If there's anything which we do find fault with, we always mention it at the end, which is usually a little bit shorter and sometimes can be a bit nitpicky, but... You know, it's the whole point is to gush over. A sequel's already been greenlit in February, so just before you saw it, the the Benoit, Benoit Blanc will return in a couple of years' time, which I'm really looking forward to. So let's get into the film in terms of like best moments, best scenes, best anything. What what what's like the first thing which strikes you about this film? I like immediately how nice the family seem, but. It also seems very surface level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When they're talking to um, Anna Diarmas's character, they're being very kind, but immediately you're suspicious of them, mm-hmm. and you sort of see the first one. The first one you see is um, you see she answers the door, Jamie Lee Curtis, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and um, she uh, says I was outvoted for you to come to the funeral, and then. You're like, oh, well, that's sad. I, I looks like Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be, you know, one of the good guys. And then he goes in, and Michael Shannon says exactly the same thing. And they all say that they are outvoted, you know. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this is good. This is very good because you also know that Marta just doesn't believe a word of it. She's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. I just, it's just as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is great. This is going to be great. And then that's before that's before they start being interviewed. And along and you mentioned that the way they try they try so hard to act nice to her in the film. But then there's moments where Don Johnson's character uh, Richard, when he's he's kind of just hands her a plate. I like really just like he's talking to the family about politics and like culture. None of them can decide whereabouts in South America she's from. And he just kind of like he's talking about her, but at the same time he just you know doesn't even look at her, hands her a plate as if to say you know off you go, take this away with you. So there's they're very duplicitous straight away, very double, uh, two faced, and the interview scenes where, with all of them, where you, which is kind of expositionary, so it's setting up the story and also the characters. I loved 
that as an op- as an opening kind of salvo for go for the first half an hour. It's great exposition. You get the alibis, you get the stories, and you get the lies out of the way mixed in with Harlan and Marta. You get to see them, you know, getting on quite nicely together, and differently you get to see the story, the like the the night of story from different viewpoints before it gets recontextualized. Yeah, I think the first half. I mean, I think the whole thing, but I think the first half an hour as a kind of murder mystery is the most murder mystery of the lot where you get where you're getting all the alibis yeah. and the story straight before it switches up. Well, you're watching that, and by all, I'm pretty sure all the marketing basically came from that first half hour as well. Yeah. Um, you're watching it, and you're like, this is great. How are they going to keep that up for two hours? Like, this is... Because, obviously, there's a difference between going into a film cold and going into a film knowing that it's hyped. Because I knew Knives Out had been hyped, and people saying it was masterfully done, and it was a great whodunit. I don't think this film is a whodunit. <laughs> Do you know how, I mean? how do they do it, or how do they how how do they get away with it? Type well, thing. It immediately there's a there's a there's a part in the film where the film completely switches genres, and that's when he flicks the coin. Yeah, yeah, um, it switches in that moment. Which that's again, Ben Warren, isn't he? Because oh, he's in the background yeah, from the interviews, like not tapping the piano, and every time he hits that, then Lakeith Stanfield's character has to basically say, you know, what time did you get here? What time did you arrive at the house? So, yeah. um, but we don't know anything about Benoit, but yeah, he's got his, his coin, which he flicks and then he's just bam. He flips and boom, the whole film changes and it goes from being a whodunit to basically, a a, a crime, crime thriller. It's, um, it's suddenly like, how can this person cover up what they did and get away with it? And she's just rubbish at it. She's just not, <laughs> <laughs> like she's not very good at it. And I'm just going back, I'm, we're flitting around. Just going back to That's when she's point, um, talking to, to Harlem, uh, you see a different side of that character. Mm-hmm. She goes from being very uh, sort of timid with the family. Um, suddenly she's like arguing back with him and like he's loving it. And you can tell they've got a really sweet relationship. That's right, because he's the patriarch of the whole family. Yeah, and I thought it was, it was really nice seeing they were obviously quite close to be able to have that kind of relationship like because mm-hmm. obviously a big... You know, a big uh, book author like that is going to be slightly intimidating, but both characters, in, they endear themselves to you at that point. If that That's makes a good sense. point. No, it does. And it gives you a nice moment of quiet because the film isn't like bang, smash, wallop, action, car chases. And again, we'll mention those later, but it moves along at such a wonderful pace. But you get like, yeah, the lovely little moments of tranquil quiet, the character moments when Marta and Harlan are, are playing the game before the the um before she injects him with the wrong stuff, uh, so we get that, and that's when you get to see them working well together, and you really really see that he's not a bad guy. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be at the party, but you know he's keeping up appearances, and she's a very caring woman to the you know to somebody who's reciprocating yeah. it back to her. She's not expecting anything from it either. No, but that's it. And that's exactly it. Yeah, you don't it, when the when the twist comes later on. You don't. I didn't. I never saw any of these twists coming. I generally didn't because then when you think when she gives him the overdose and Harlan's giving her the instructions, you get you then think actually Har- Harlan's the good guy. Um, I like uh, you think oh he's not a bad guy. And then the shots of Marta acting out what he said, you know, as he's narrating over it, I think they're great. Uh, and that's like you said, that's when we get like this genre switch. Now when uh, Benoit flicks that coin. It's it's a how like it's a how did they do it or how are they going to solve this how 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 we know who did it which is interesting we now need to watch Benoit Blanc 
Pete and uh, Lieutenant Elliot piece this all together. And I thought that was so well done because they could have just had it as a mystery the whole time where you're trying to piece together everyone's motives. Everyone's got a motive, but now we know who did it. Now we've got to try and see, like you say, how is she going to cover her tracks? And as um, as Ben Watts says at the, towards the end, you know, you're you're not much of a murderer. And she yeah. wasn't. I don't know about you. When she um, he's explaining to her what she needs to do, mm-hmm. the whole time I was thinking, yeah, but this isn't how he dies. I was kind of trying to second guess the movie, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I was like, so it's probably going to happen in a minute which means that Marta actually is completely innocent, but all this circumstantial evidence is going to mount against her, if mm. that makes sense. No, no, so yeah. she's gonna. So I was kind of thinking, nah, he's not going to die. And even to the point uh, where he does kill himself, uh, I was like, yeah, but he's not really dead. Like <laughs> Someone else is going to come in and finish it, and that's how they're going to get around it. But no, the film just goes with it. It's like, no, he kills himself yeah. because she poisons it. And it's like, suddenly you're like, oh, okay but I really like this character. So she's not going to get out of this. There's no way she can get out of this. Cause you know, like in these films, like the criminal never gets away with it. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. They always get found out. So something always happens to them. And it's never usually that good. Yeah. And you know, you like Anna Diarmas in this film. Like she's a very likable character and she's very sympathetic and she's got the undocumented family and she's trying to do her best to earn money. So she vomits when she lies. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> I want to. Be- I want to believe that it- that was the idea for the film. Is that I want to do a film where someone vomits when they lie, but they've committed a murder. I want to believe that's how it started because that is just. She has a regurgitative reaction to mistruths. <laughs> <laughs> Mistruthen. <laughs> it's true. That's it. So good. <laughs> What did you think of his uh, accent in this? Because I was kind of prepared to be like, what's going on? Well, there was that, the vomiting thing. When I first saw it, I was like, I really hope this doesn't play in too much because it kept get, it might get too slapstick, but they kept that on the level. And I'd seen Logan Lucky before, which also has that beefcake Adam Driver in it. And Daniel Craig has a Southern drawl in that as well. So I was kind of used to it. Um, but I didn't mind it. I thought, even though you can look at him and be like, man, that's that's that hunk Daniel Craig. I didn't see it as Daniel Craig. I saw it as, you know, no. Benoit with this southern jaw, you know, this foghorn leghorn stuff, whatever they call it. I, it, be, it could have been, again, that could have gone quite badly wrong because what this film doesn't do, I don't think, you might disagree here, but I don't think this film turns into a, a parody. I don't think it turns into a spoof. I think they managed to keep it, every tone is balanced correctly, including things like Benoit Blanc. He's not as over the top as Poirot. He's not a, caricature but he could have been yeah he could have been and i think having him effectively be a side character mm-hmm. in the film um was genius i was this is going to sound a little bit out there but when you've got crazy characters like that mm-hmm. uh go back to jack sparrow in the first pirates of the caribbean film yep. he was um very much a side character in that film. yeah and that's why he was so good because you had the main characters which drove the story forward, but then you had the side character. I'd argue that's why Han Solo is so great because he's not the main character mm-hmm. in Star Wars. He's very much a side character, so you can get away with some slightly like offbeat, offbeat character quirks. Mm-hmm. Poe Dameron's the same. That's why he works. And I think it's the same here with Benoit Blanc. He's he's a side character, so his 
like crazy accent and weird cadence of speaking it leaves you wanting more yeah. rather than rather than being like oh it's too much you know and i think this this film is i think it's a perfect case study in balance in food in movie making yeah. does that make sense yeah, I agree. so you've got um, tony collette's character which is <laughs> i mean he couldn't <laughs> ryan johnson couldn't have made it any more clear that that was Gwyneth Paltrow, could it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, he couldn't made it any more clear. But she's just the right amount of annoying. Yep. Does that make sense? She's an influencer. When she says, uh, I, I'm not on Twitter anymore, DM me on Instagram. Again, I, using social media in films can date it really quickly, but it works in this film. Because well, yeah, because he's taken the mick out of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 taken, it's taken the mick. I think a, a, uh, Catherine Langford's mm-hmm. uh, character Meg is is um, I think that's another great character. I mean, they're all great characters, aren't they? But I think that is a great character because again, she seems very likable at first, and you're very trusting of her. Mm-hmm. But but then inevitably she betrays Marta, you know, when she's like saying "come back, come back," and I think the perfect flip side to that. Um, the elephant in the room, Chris Evans, Ransom, because he is so good. He is so good in this film. And if if anyone questions, because I'm not the biggest Captain America fan, right? Mm-hmm. I, he's fine, but like he's very like straight laced. He done. Chris Evans does a good job yeah. of that, to be fair. But I think if you needed an example of how Chris Evans can instantly make you forget he was Captain America, watch this film. Like this is. He, this is so good, and because he's such a um, nice guy, he's he's not he's not a nice guy. No, oh, in, in real uh, life, <laughs> he, in real life, he, he's like, he oh, really right, wants to right, like, yeah. In real life, he's so lovely. He seems, and then in this film, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Ransom when he shows up, he is just he's everything. He, he's like the perfect character to hate. He wrote this perfect hateful character. Mm-hmm. Just this rich guy has had everything given to him. He just lives a life of leisure. Um, he has the very nice jumper that has a hole in it. <laughs> I read that that was all. I sort of heard um, Ryan Johnson talk about that. Actually, it was all very deliberate because he's just he's just a guy that because he, he's got so much money, he just doesn't really care too much about stuff. <laughs> so he'll get like a lovely, lovely jumper and just let it get holes in it, and he'll still wear it because he's like, man, whatever, you know. I'm rich, and then he's just. Yeah, and also he's just so rude. Like sitting in a room <laughs> and eating in front of people that are not eating is just kind of a rude thing to do. Would you agree? Well, yeah, like, <laughs> and, he's, uh, and he's not—he's not, he's not uh, shy. In, basically, he's telling them what he thinks of them, is he? Yeah, that mate—that <laughs> was great. That was great. There's some great stories in there. I, well, I think we're alluding to the same thing. There's it's where he tells them to eat poo, basically. That's the one. There's some great, yeah. There's some great um, stories about how they really tried to get a PG-13 rating for this film, <laughs> and that was one of them because that was originally FU, FU, FU. And then that was Chris Evans' idea to say eat poo, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that shows. The value of having that's what makes an actor a great actor because he really like that is is so in character for a character we don't really know. Does that make sense? Like it feels very in character. He, he saw the line and he thought, found a way to mould it better to what his character would probably say, or something even more obnoxious than just shouting "fu" is telling them to go and do that. It's uh, it, and he it, says it, it very quietly and he's just pointing. 
yeah. across the room, and he's almost dancing as he does. And, he, as and he's like, it. especially you. But I mean, yeah. that I mean, but both of them are obnoxious. You don't want anyone to say that to. You, but you know, one of the one of them is almost flippant because you just hear it quite a lot in films and TV and in real life. Mm. The other one, not quite so much. So he's like that. He probably hit you slightly harder. But Chris Evans, yeah, I mean, when he and again, no disrespect to Captain America or the MCU, he's very good in that. But when he's given mm, a chance yeah, yeah, to, when he's given a chance to act like dramatically or in a film like this, because he looks like he's having a great time in this, coming off of um, mm. being Captain America. In a film like Gifted, in a film like uh, Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer, he's really good. But what what he can suffer from is because he is Captain America and because he plays these roles where he's like a, a nice guy, you know, people may not see think he can p- pull off this role, but he's so good as that smarmy, like, rich, like, stuck-up, and he plays mm. it so well. And the, to the point where as soon as you went to, like, well, there's a spoiler, he's the bad guy, he's, you know, he's the bad one. Yeah. But then the film yeah. takes you away from that scent by yeah. making you think that you know he's um, he, he picks he picks Marta up. Marta's struggling because yeah. she's just been told she's but getting her in the whole family going out. And he saves it, and suddenly, yeah. And I don't know if it's because of Chris Evans, because of who he's been in the past, because he's been Captain America. I think it is. It's very you immediately want to trust him again. I think Does it is. I do honestly think it is because like, he gets in the car and he's whereas all of the all of the family are very pretentious and very up themselves. Chris Evans is more like the rebellious free spirit. So when they're all arguing, when the inheritance is given to her, which again, I'm sure I'll mention that scene because I love that scene, but at the tail end of it, they're all outside, you know, trying to you know, pointing at her through the car and shouting at her. They're all kind of showing their true colours. Whereas Chris Evans is in his own car. He's been written out of the will. And he's like, you know, don't worry about these jerks. Come with me. And then he goes, you know, buys her a beer, buys her beans and sausages. And he's like, you know, yeah, I can help you, you. You trust him. Yeah, I can help you get away with this. Give me my share of the money, fine. Yeah, but and I can that's help the thing. You. I think that's what that's what makes you trust him because mm-hmm. you're like, why is he being so nice? And he's like, well, I want I want my share of the money. Oh. And suddenly it's like, oh, well, I've got no reason to distrust him now because he's been very clear that he wants money. Yeah, you know she'll, I mean? she'll help him. You get the money. I get out of it. Everyone's happy. The rest of the family can go spin. Great, brilliant. Um, but even even then, when he hands her the bowl because he's just fed her up on beans and sausages, which did look really nice, then he gives her the bowl. It's so hard. Hard. now you're gonna lie. now now you can't lie. So there is that kind of like mischievousness to it. But yeah, he's clever. Yeah, you do start to, and the fact that he he helps her throughout as well. And then when when you see that the blood samples in the building have has been um. Uh, the arson attack on that building and everything seems to be falling into place and he's there with her the whole time seemingly trying to help her and the only time he's not is when he gets apprehended after the quote-unquote dumbest car chase of all time and then you do start to think well actually he's going to try and help her get away with this but is it actually going to bring her down and then we get the big twist but yeah i think a lot of it is because and i think that's good casting because chris evans is a good actor but you also play on the image of chris evans yeah it was yeah, it was it was yeah, it was brilliantly done, man. It was great, and I love. There's a whole bunch of red herrings throughout the rest of the film, like um, like uh, Christopher Plummer's mother, who is actually younger than Christopher Plummer, but uh, oh, he did a lot of makeup, didn't she? Yeah, they they kept um, they kept implying, oh, she she hasn't spoken in ages, mm-hmm. and then like. There's loads of red herrings throughout the film, and you think she's going to be the one to really be the fool of Marta, you know? Yep. And um, 
she's not. <laughs> like, that's just, that's classic Ryan Johnson, that. It's like, no, subvert the expectations, man. And that's what um, he does. I love that, though. I love that. But, it's, but yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. Speaking of casting, Frank Oz. Yes, the wheel reader. <laughs> what? He showed up, and I was like, it's just occurred to me, I've never seen Frank Oz act like in person. Do you know what I mean? He was in things like uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and that uh, a long old time ago in the 80s. Brothers, wasn't he, yeah, I yeah. But, but that's, not Frank, that's not now Frank Oz, you know? No, no, yeah, that's, yeah. Now Frank Oz, you don't really see him too often. He came out recently in the last few weeks or so from recording this, saying that, you know, he really finds it a bit of a bummer that most people only know him as Yoda. When you know he's actually got a lot more going for him, but he does a lot because a lot of his work is he's Miss Piggy for one. Well, he's Miss Piggy, yeah. I mean, that's what you want to be known as. It's Miss Piggy, but Fonzie yeah, the... Bear, Animal, Cookie Monster, Elmo, exactly these classic characters. I mean, they wouldn't mind being known for them, and but he's done so much for film as well. But it was so good, yeah, it's so good to see him in it, and obviously that's come that's come as a you, you assume that's become because of the Last Jedi influence, but still, yeah. it's not. It's it's great to see him, and he, and he brings like a presence, I think. Yeah, he does. He's um again. It's, it's it's when you see him on screen, you're like, I've never really, I've not seen you in live action. I mean, I'm just looking for his IMDb. Mm-hmm. And what I can see is he's not done anything in twenty years. No, he's been di- he's directed a few things and he's provided like a uh, puppetry yeah, work. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, live action. Act, yeah. As an actor, yeah. he's not been live action. No, he's not been in, active yeah. since Blue Blues Brothers two thousand looks to have been his last. Literally, yeah, the last two decades. Which is in ninety eight. Yeah. So that is yeah, twenty years ago. And he shows up on the screen and you're like, Why are you not doing more? No. Like you have a, you have an amazing screen presence. He does. You know? And it's not like he's and he's never been a bad actor, but he's obviously just focused on other things. But he's great as the with the wheeler reader and yeah. it reminded me a lot of um uh Jeff Goldblum in Grand Buda Pest yes. Hotel. Yes, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> no, uh, for uh, that is one of the films from that director which I very much enjoy. I love Wes Anderson. I do. I really love him. Um, but yeah, that, um, yeah, he just he's just he's just great. He just reads it and he just does no nonsense and I mean, yeah, it's just a great character. Again, even all the, all the side characters are great. I think it's uh, Noah. Uh, Where's no, Segan is is his character, isn't it? That's obsessed with. He's like, oh, this is a murder mystery. Yeah, yeah. Because you, know? you get Lakeith Stanfield, who I think is really good. Lakeith Stanfield is a magnificent actor, uh, but he's the understated detective in this film. Um, mm. But I think he does a really good job in this film. But yeah, you got Noah Segan, yeah. who's kind of more like the the kind of like the bouncy, excitable police officer in it. Um, when you get any, so those three work so well together. But he, I like to Noah Segan as well. In this film, because but he could go under the radar slightly, but I, I thought he, I thought he was very good in this. I mean, it's so, it's so much in this film, and that's. I mean, I've, I've still got many more. Like I know you have many more stories and moments to tell, but even like the, the actual politics at play in this film, and I know that's a word not many people like to hit talk about, but like the the race and the cultural politics is handled very well. Mm. You've got a Latino woman rising above the racist middle class American family. And there's an awful lot to be said about that. The fact that none of them know where she's from. Yeah. The fact that they threaten her of her illegal, um, her parents' illegal immigrant status. Um, that the the thinly veiled jabs at the political scene currently is, you know, yeah, because you've got you've got the alt right 
um, oh, right, Troy, child, that's it. Um, and then who's always going on about how woke uh, Catherine Langford is. When SJW warrior, which is... It, yeah, exactly. It's, you know where that's coming it's from. A good commentary, it's a good commentary on the fact that it's like, she's an SJW warrior, mm-hmm. uh, social justice warrior. Not a social justice warrior warrior. Yeah, yeah, social but, um, justice warrior. Surely that's a, opposite of what they <laughs> but, mean, actually. Yeah, it's like, she's like that, uh, but she's like that all the time. It's helpful for her, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that kind of felt like Ryan Johnson making a little bit of a statement, that character. That was a massive statement. He called, when um, one of them, he calls Jaden Martell's character, who's the, the, the young lad in this, Jacob Thromby, he's the alt-right troll. He's the he's the yeah. weird one doing funny things with himself in the bathroom, as, as they say. And then they've got the and then yeah, Meg, who's the liberal snowflake, and you know, yeah. and to me that's just like right. I've just come off doing this film where people were arguing with each other and calling me names, and this is the, some of the things I was called. I'm going to put it in a film with lots of people going to see, you know, as a big you know middle finger to all of those people. That's the first time I saw it at the cinema. As soon as I heard things like alt right troll SJW, it's like this is this year. This is the Johnson strikes back in a. In a, in yeah. a did way. he write? Did he write this after the last Shadow? I think out? it's. I think he wrote it. Yes, or concurrently at least. But uh, he, he yeah, certainly. It does feel like, in many ways, a resp- it's difficult to talk about Ryan Johnson without talking about Star Wars, especially. Yeah, given and it's not always the best. That's the problem. Our mutual interests. I mean, um, in the day, we but, both um, liked the, the Last Jedi, didn't we? So. Just yeah, we did. Uh, it's difficult to. It's difficult to talk about this film without at least referencing it. I think um, he, this it is definitely a response to that film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It definitely felt like a... Certainly in the writing. And it seemed like, even though he couldn't have predicted it, because I imagine they all thought The Last Jedi was going to be one of the which it should have been, this ended up being the perfect jumping off point, the perfect like palate cleanser for him after such a huge blockbuster of what, like five or six times to budget, to then do something... I say smaller, but just look at the cost. But smaller relatively in terms of like production size. Yeah, well, it's a low budget film. Yeah, and it's forty million. But then, how, but then again, how well it did? It made almost ten times its budget back. Almost like eight times its budget. It's a huge success, and it shows that Ryan Johnson, who wrote, he he was the sole screenwriter. He wrote and directed it, and got nominated for an Oscar. She's rare these days, isn't it? it I, don't, I think we've got to talk about that. It's very rare to have a writer director these days. Yeah, and it shows it's that, not often people can do two. It shows how good he is. And I've called The Last Jedi a filmmaker's film because technically mm. it's wonderful. And this just shows what a knives out shows what a very talented filmmaker is. And you said it yourself. Every, there seems to be a upward trajectory in all of his films. Whereas I actually think Brick, which is his first kind of mainstream, I think it's really, really very good. But yeah, they get better and better and better, and he gets more well, confident. Felt, and I'd love to see yeah, what he if, does next. Apparently, which is going to be lives out too. Apparently, but yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be at the <laughs> end. But yeah, on Ryan Johnson. But he, so it felt like he took. He seems to be quite a realistic guy, like a humble guy. He seems like a really I mean? good guy. He's a humble guy, but a guy that also believes in himself. Does that make sense? So like, oh no, yeah, of course. Cool. You have to believe in that, yourself to drop a foot like this in the last Jedi. I mean, yeah, like to say, yeah, I'll be writer director for Star Wars Episode Eight. Like that is, you've got to be confident in what you do. You know what I mean? But to make me believe, Jason Gordon Levitt was a young Bruce Willis. You've got to be confident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it, it seems like he saw because he's never come out really um, and entertained the trolls. 
in, for the Last Jedi. Have you noticed that? He's never really. Yeah, I mean, a comment here and a comment there, but nothing like barbaric. Yeah. yeah. No, and it felt like this was that that was his response because he was like, "Okay, you said I couldn't do comedy. I'll take that on board, and I'm going to do it right." And he did it right. He said, "I can't." Do you, know what I mean? you said that I had sloppy storytelling skills. Well, I'm going to take that, um, and I'm going to show you that I really can do that. Or I'm going to take a crit. I think he both took the criticism on and improved from it, but also um, was like, "No, I am actually pretty good at what I do." Does that make sense? I fully agree, and I don't, and it's film is subjective, which is the beauty of it. And listeners to this show and any film podcast or film reviewer knows film is subjective. You know, everyone's going to have different opinions, but I find it, I struggle to find belief or reason in anyone who says this film in particular is a bad film. And if you might not like the film, but if anyone says this is a bad film, why? Oh, I just didn't like it. Let's make it a bad film. There's no fat. There's no loose ends. There's no, Ray, I've got to tell you something. <laughs> there's none of that. Um, <laughs> the only we one. got it in there. Um, <laughs> no, but there's not. There's like, even when I thought there was going to be that, yeah. there was a moment where, um, it zoomed in, and it was a brilliant, corny, cheesy zoom in shot on her trainer that had a speck of yep. blood on it. I'm, I found myself getting to the end of the film, and I was like, "No film's perfect." I was like, "See, there's he forgot about that." But it almost and he didn't. Mm-hmm. He d- yeah, he doesn't because she goes, "When did you know I did it?" And he goes, "I found, I saw the blood on your on your shoes quite early." And on. it was like, "Oh, oh Ryan." Mm-hmm. Oh, Ryan, you got me. It was nothing, you got me. I'll find out spider. Wasted. And that's what I mean. Technically, and it's a brilliantly made film. So for anyone to say it's a bad film, is different than saying, you know, I didn't like it. You don't like the film, fine. Even then, I'm like, how can you not like the film? But it's objective. But to say it's a bad film, I mean, uh, I'm not having that. It's the first film I think he shot on digital. I think he, The Last yeah. Jedi was partly, but this is the first film he's ever. So he's branching out now. But um, I honestly first film he actually produced as well. Uh, yes, with his because he's got his uh, film company with Ram. Yeah, Ram. Ram like a right lad as well. But there's there's so he much, does seem like a great guy. So much, so much to like in this. So, but so back onto the film. Uh, I'm going to chuck out in terms of like, the favourite moments. Any moment for me when everybody is in shot together. So when Harlan leaves. So when the will is read and he leaves all of his assets to Marta and the the uh, fallout from that. When the family reconvene, because they think Marta's going to, um, you know, give up her right to the money. And then mm. Ben, Wire jump, ben Wire jumps in with his knives out, beaks bloody um, comments, which that's when Daniel Craig's performance elevates to another level, I think. But any time when the ensemble are together are some of my favourite moments, because it's inside that beautiful house in Boston, the beautiful house which they shot and used immaculately, it's got that period piece setting, but it's also they also go to enough uh, lengths to make you realise this is a modern day film. It's not set in the old in the twenties, the thirties, and the forties. Any time when the, everybody's no. together, bouncing off each other, were some of my favourite scenes, man. Well, they um, uh, going back to that being a modern film. The uh, did you know the portrait wasn't finished? <laughs> the portrait of of Harlem, um, of Harlem wasn't finished <laughs> when they filmed. That's de- um, there's something we don't so like that, about it. it shoddy filmmaking any no no any time that is any time that's in shot it's entirely digitally put in <laughs> they just had a green frame there you never i never would have noticed i know that it changes at the <laughs> end where he has a little smirk on his face but i i noticed that yeah. but i didn't know it was digitally you know, in put into the film 
Yeah, just completely digitally put in. So there we go. Even uh, people that are like, oh, I can't stand special effects. <laughs> um, it's in this film, a film that seemingly doesn't really have any. Really uh, have there any is an explosion really, in yeah. it. Um, but uh, yeah, again, we go back to um, the film switches genre, doesn't it? Yes. So it switches from uh, switch from a whodunit to basically a crime chase movie sort of thing, well, a crime thriller um, drama almost. Because it's crime thriller drama, yeah, 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 with black comedy. Yeah, and you think that's where it's going, and you think she's been found out at the end. She's about to confess, and you think, oh, this is a bit of a downer. Suddenly, switches straight back to a whodunit, so and well. suddenly. Benoit Blanc comes in and he has the moment you don't think he's going to have where he completely says exactly how it happened. He has his Sherlock Excuse moment. Me. You have he? not been good to her. That's it and all that. Yeah. He does everything and he explains it all and it's perfect and you've got the Hugh did this. That's it. Uh, and it's just Hugh like, uh, yeah, which they definitely emphasise the H on the second Yes, I'm glad second. you said that. I haven't been back to on watch it, clip. but when I watched it, uh, I rewatched this. For for this episode, a couple of day or two ago, I can't even remember. But when they showed it again, I was like, "Did they? I did see the refilm yeah. really shoot this bit because I don't remember it sound like Hugh did it." <laughs> yeah, Clever, yeah, they definitely. It's definitely but, yeah, but just but again, it's just suddenly you're back in classic Who Done It territory, and he explains it, and suddenly Benoit Blanc, who seems like a frankly seems like a bumbling fool, bumbling idiot. Well. Yeah, and you're thinking, this is just stupid. Like, this guy, like, how is he... Like, Marta's really bad at this. <laughs> She's bad at covering up. She literally goes and... Yeah, she goes and covers her footprints up. Don't work on <laughs> there. Get off there. Oh, and like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, come on, man. Um, <laughs> and then there's a scene where he's singing in the car, and I'm just like, this guy, you're like, <laughs> you love him, but you're like, this guy. And then at the end, it's like, no, as soon as I saw you, I saw the Spagman shoe. And if you go back and watch it, you can see the moment he looks at her shoes mm-hmm. and sees sees the spec. You can see Daniel Craig do that acting, because he's an actor. Acting so, um, yeah, um, again, like I say, it's a film with no fat, it's it's no fat. It's just just expertly done. All of it. The soundtrack is awesome. Oh, the score! Um, the score was fantastic. Yeah, and they. I just yeah. I actually quite liked. Um, each character's got tons of depth because the the danger of one of these ensemble movies is you can't really. Um, sometimes it's hard to make every character a deep character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them enough. Yeah, but they all they all kind of do, and they all some of them have. They're not all all bad, if that makes sense. So Michael Shannon Wall, um, really, he seems like the guy that's actually. He seems the best of the lot, if that makes sense. Would you agree with that? It, until he goes to her house and threatens to like out his mum as her mum yeah. as an illegal. Yeah. I mean, they're all bad people, yeah. but of the lot, he seems to be the guy. Yeah, he when he's yeah when he gets fired by by Harlan, he's for basically all he wants to do is take do do it do the job he's being given and like make this company bigger and better and bring it into the twenty first century. He seems like yeah. he's doing it all for the right reasons, not to make the money, but to make success out of the business his father's given him. But and yeah, yeah like the, even during it, like he's arguing with his own family. Whereas Don Johnson's character, he's a he's the slippery one. We know he's got a secret as well with the adultery. He's very slippery, and they even have like a wonderful like, slapping fight. He, out, out of all of them, he seems like the most sympathetic. Because yeah, 
but they kind of yeah they all are Jamie Lee Curtis's character seems alright it's she does actually seem to be upset about her dad mm-hmm. being dead. Yeah. Um, the others don't so much. Um, yeah, the others know there's probably something to gain from it, whereas she does see more. Yeah, yeah. but then you've got that marvellous scene at the end where Martha walks out on the balcony oh. with the uh, my, my coffee, my house, my rules mug. So um, good. It's so good. Yes. And she just sips it. Yep. And like there's that great shot that's where it pans across all of them. Just watching her. That's what like, I mean. And it's, and that, just... it's the minority if we were looking down at the, the middle class of America and it's like, oh, this is there's something to be said in that shot there by people much yeah. more intellectual or willing to go there than me. But there's there's an awful lot there just in that yeah. shot. And I think it's a, I don't think it's a really good shot. Anyway, because you see you see the cup at the beginning of the film and again it's just a it's just a bit of B-roll. It's just thrown in there like second unit direction of a cup. Great. Nice little funny slogan on the mug. But it comes back in a big, big time. And I'm glad you mentioned the monologue, the dialogue at the end from Benoit when he's absolutely like tearing this whole thing down. He's like, this, 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 and this. You know, will you and let me indulge you a bit further. Actually, let me go, but let me spin you the truth a bit further more and more. It is incredible. Daniel Craig is just absolutely just laying it on so much and so yeah. well. I genuinely think in that, end part like the moment you said when he kind of comes in and he's like you're all vote, voters in the feast and you think he, he has that kind of character turn from then on he's incredible like the way he just absolutely nails the dialogue there's a big chunk of dialogue on the page and he absolutely nails it and you're with him every step of the way and you're like wondering he's like sitting there in awe at how he's spelling out exactly what's happened the things yeah. you've missed and everything that is in front of you because everything in the film is in front of you you know, I mean, it's there. I mean, there's nothing really added. There's no uh, MacGuffins chucked in, or there's no characters who come in at the end to kind of be like, ha it was me all along. Everything's there yeah. in plain sight. And the, and even like the donut line, the famous donut line, he <laughs> makes that work. Even though, again, <laughs> on the page, it's a horrific bit of dialogue. Yeah. But it, he makes it work. But that bit of the end, I was watching it again. I was absolutely enamoured. I was completely engaged at the cinema watching it. So this gives me good memories of going, going to see it late November, cold it's wet it's england of course it is it's dark it's 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 the film is set in the fall or for us guys the autumn it's cold and it's you know i mean it's got that sort of damp autumnly feel and coming out of the theater and the weather's the same as it was on film everything just kind of fit and it's the whole time of the year and all that it was just like but it makes me kind of give that warm nostalgic vibes for a film that only came out seven months ago and the fact that it was so good helped but yeah that daniel craig at the end there was so good. And there's a wonderful shot where the camera zooms into him as he turns around and he just goes, enter Benoit Blanc. I was like, yes, you went there. There's so many good <laughs> pieces of dialogue. And even then you think yeah. Ransom still thinks he's going to get away with this. And then he nails him. Yeah. It dances the line between um, cheesy and brilliant. Yeah. Very, very well. And that's it. Very, it doesn't go well. one way or the other, but it, it really could have done, which is... I'll make it in a sequel. The thing is, before again, I go back to the Martin, but before I think I, you'd have to have been a bit of a, yeah, I, I, I he just looks like a dodgy character, Chris Evans's character. But that's know? it, yeah. And well, so yes. you kind of go in thinking, I bet he did it, mm-hmm. but the film is so good that it makes you forget that. Yep, and that's why exactly you're in it. it. That's what I mean. He, he sounds looks like a walking spoiler when he turns up, but the, yeah. but the writing and direction and the acting takes you in a different direction also because you know that Martha did it. 
you've got in the back of your mind, you know that she did it. So what's yeah. his angle here? And then the big twist at the end when you realise actually he, he did did it. He did do it. He did done it. And Harlan, in fact, wasn't actually didn't actually have an overdose, which is, again, a, that's a massive twist in itself that Harlan wasn't dying in the film. Yeah. He, there was nothing wrong with him. He actually did commit suicide. So as it turned out. And again, that, yeah. that kind of gets lost a little bit because when I rewatched it yesterday, the day before, I was like, oh, God damn, I completely forgot about the fact that he wasn't, he didn't actually have an overdose because he did pick up no, the right vial. Yeah, and doesn't he, um, forgive me, I might be butchering this line, but doesn't Benoit Blanc go like, you are a good nurse? You didn't because you are a good, you're good at your job sort of thing. Something like that, yeah, because he, she knew that the, the, diff, the subtle differences in the bottles and, and that. Yeah, and it was just like, <sighs> The, you can tell Benoit Blanc has spent, well, the length of the film, but however long the film, the length of time he knows that. He spent time getting the judge of this smart character and he likes her, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just nice to see the respect there. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think Daniel, Daniel Craig, I think, is probably slightly underrated as an actor because he's James Bond. I think you're um, right, yeah. Some of the things he has been and doesn't always highlight how good he can be. Certain like films no. from like the two thousands, early two thousands, like Layer Cake and that, he's great in that. But since then, he's done. He's good as Bond, it's like things like Casino Royale, and Skyfall, or yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a good Bond, yeah. But, but it's I like think... the MCU thing, isn't it? Where you think, where for some reason people yeah, think those guys can't that. act when when yeah. Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr. when he actually tries not in Doolittle, these guys can <laughs> act. All of them can act. Yeah. I'm just I could gush forever about this film. Just it just makes me, want, makes me want to watch it again. To be honest, I, I want um, to watch it again. You get the shot at the end <laughs> as well, where Daniel Craig sits down and they use that beautiful like wheel of knives wonderfully, where his, where his head fits in the middle and the outside of him, and the knives all put oh, into him. Yeah, I've just remembered, and again, it's set up so well. Um, the prop knife. Yes, well, you think he's gonna kill her, and that's one of those moments where I'm like. Hold on. When he's got the knife in his hands, I'm like, hold on. One of these was a prop knife, mm-hmm. and then it, 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 and then it is a prop knife, and you're just like, oh. But it's that moment, yeah. Sometimes, when he lands sometimes yeah. Sometimes there's predictable to the point where it makes you groan, mm-hmm. and then there's predictable. But when it comes off, you're like, that was so well done. Was but I could, yeah, like I'm so. I'm satisfied with my character. I'm, I'm um, pleased with how that went. And because there's so much going on for you to take in, in the in the best way possible, that you, yeah. you don't even think about that. You just see, you do, I was more thinking, right, one of these guys is going to take him out, they're going to shoot him or something like that, or trip him yeah. up, uh, and he'll uh, he'll be missed. But when, when he actually landed on like, the knife went, I was like, Matt, is this the next twist in the film? But yeah. the twist itself yeah. was that it was a prop, and... Um, what's his name? Noah Segan's character had been recording the whole time, and again the twist that um, Fran, the um, the other help, who was like Hugh did it, actually did mm. die, and they lied to they lied to incriminate him. There's so many little plot points that uh, the, the way it's written, it, it's <laughs> it's so good, it's so good. Yeah, I don't. I it's one of those things where, as a creative person, I wish I could. I wish I was that good at what I did to, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You are. To, to, no, no, but do you know what I mean? Like to be at that level. And still learning. Like, well, yeah, well, he's not very old. Um, early how 40s, old is Ryan I think. Johnson? Yeah. Early 40s. I, that's just, I mean, he's 46. Yeah, so mid 40s. This is not that's old. just sickening, isn't it? I mean, just like you put a foot, like, 
He's got, what, 20, 30 good years left in him of directing, potentially. I struggle to see how he will write a more, a better film than that. Where would you begin with that, man? Like, where would you begin with writing that film? Seriously, like, where, what? It has to be a passion, like, a, it has to be a passion product. You have to want to write this. You can't just think, or you can't just be handed the idea and think, you know, I can go with that. You have to want to do it. You have to, like, vision this. You have to, like, believe. Every, every detail is important. And that's yeah. just, like, I'm, and like it's we say, we've been talking for, we were talking for nearly an hour about this film now. And it's like, we're still thinking of other little moments, other little details that they just chuck in, you know, chuck in the film, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I like there's a jumping right back a little bit actually when uh, she's playing go with um with Harlem and yes. uh, she um and she beats him she does beat him doesn't she yeah she does yeah and um he's like how are you beating me like have you practiced and she goes no I just make pretty shapes yeah do you know what I mean <laughs> that felt like that felt like one of those things where it, again it felt like a side swipe at Star Wars you know where it's like I didn't go out to I didn't necessarily go out to completely ruin Star Wars. I was just doing something that I thought was good. Do you know what I mean? I thought was pretty. And then the guy said, this is elder abuse. So I'm going to call the ARP or he says. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just like to make pretty, I just like to make, and I, I don't think he would do this, but it's all, that's almost like, that's almost like him with this film. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't want to gush too much about it, but it's almost like him with this film is that he, it's like, we're all going, how do you even begin to write something like that? And for him, it's just like making pretty shapes, you know? I don't know if he intentionally put that in there, but it does feel a bit like that, you know? It feels like, because nothing to me, also the point of this show is to gush. So honestly, do it as much as you want. But um, it it doesn't doesn't ever feel like there's many wasted lines. And even if you watch the subtitles on, there was lines which I missed, which were kind of like, like when the family is screaming and shouting at each other, there's little lines I missed, which are either hilarious or actually quite good, which aren't lost in the mix but you know you left to listen up and hear them nothing seems wasted in this film um and again for those who disagree well you know please do tell us why i'd love to know why but to me and isaac obviously nothing really seems wasted and that is that is why i think we we love this film quite so much and like you just said that that line itself it could just it could be seen as a reflection of martyr that martyr that she actually she's just a, a sweet girl who you know, she is literally just kind of like the girl. I'm just, I just like, you know, the same one. If you go, if you're watching the Grand National, I picked him because he's got a pink hat on, something like that. Yeah, I just make pretty yeah. patterns. Or yeah. it was for the reasons you've said. Or, or she's completely deceiving him and is actually, yeah, just making pretty patterns with the objective yeah. to beat him. It's and that's, what, that's what Anna de Armas does so well. Mm. She's still not quite sure. <laughs> and, and actually, we got so we haven't actually mentioned her. We've mentioned it most other, but Anna de Armas is the linchpin of this film. She has to carry. She's got to carry this film. She's got an awful lot to do. I yeah, think she's the lead. Fab, I think she's fantastic. She, oh, incredible! Like to me, I know uh, I've not seen Blade Runner twenty forty nine because mm-hmm. I've not seen the first Blade Runner. Take that what you will. Send, yeah. send, DM me the hate. It's okay. The first one. Yeah, but I feel like I've got to watch Blade Runner to watch Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, I would do that. It does kind of give you an expository bit of text at the beginning of twenty forty nine. But um, I would, yeah. if, if I would watch it, but I thought it was just fine. Whereas twenty four to nine, I thought it was very good. I feel like she kind of. This is kind of like 
I mean, she's been acting for a while, mm-hmm. but this kind of felt like a breakthrough role. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that fair to say? I hadn't seen her in anything before. No, I think you're right, yeah, because in Blade Runner 2049, she is very much a supporting character, and she's obviously teaming up with Daniel Craig again in No Time to Die whenever that comes out, the new the yeah. final Bond film. But she, she's done things like War Dogs and that, but again, she's not really big roles. But So this was her kind of, I think, well, this, yeah, let's call it what it is. This is her breakout role. Yeah, I mean, it just, it felt like yeah, around, he had all of these other, he had all these other, like, massive actors in there, mm-hmm. like Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, they're massive. Yeah. And then you've got, like, this relative unknown. It may as well have said and introducing Anna de Armas at mm-hmm. the beginning. Because, like you say, she carries the film. Like, it may, it lives or dies by how she... Uh, portrays this character yeah, how believable she is yeah yeah how believable she is and she's very believable and she seems like the most normal and she she feels like the everyman in this film yep and yeah it's just one of those films just it's just you every time you think about the story it really is just twist after twist after twist mm-hmm. which again feels like a like a love letter to the classic whodunits if that makes sense yeah it's not a direct takeoff of them or complete yeah, it's a t- it's, a it's t- like t- you t- say it's not it's not a parody. It doesn't doesn't make fun of them mm-hmm. or, um, or of itself. No, it just it's a complete like I, I, again. I can't really put this in a genre. It's one of those. It shifts, and yeah, like you're saying Anna, Anna de Armas is so good. I think to the casual film goer who maybe hasn't seen a lot of films, you, you would be like with with all these faces that you've seen in bigger films. Anna de Armas would be like the up and cut, the newcomer. Compared to so you many other people, bigger than Daniel Craig and Chris Evans, can you really? No, and Jamie Lee James Curtis. Captain, Everybody yeah, knows but, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, but like James Bond and Captain America. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and the girl from Thirteen Reasons Why. You know, like these are big. Yeah, Halloween. And Michael, yeah, Michael I mean, Shannon is in everything. <laughs> he's in yeah, he is, and he's always good. Actually, yeah. uh, <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield is being in some. I didn't like Sorry to Bother You, which came a couple of years ago, but he's really good in that. Um, Tony Collette was coming off of Hereditary the year before. But again, Tony Collette has just got one of those faces that you've seen and stuff. She was been in you what? Know, uh, about a boy. She was in About a Boy. I don't remember in About a Boy. She was in About a Boy, but it, it, Muriel's Wedding. She was in Muriel's Wedding and, um, and, and The Sixth Sense and stuff like that. So she's been in yeah, so much. Yeah, she's she's great. I think she's, and I yeah, think she's, she's good great. in this as well. I think she's good in this. And Lakeith Stanfield, straight out of Compton, Get Out. He was in Get Out, which is great. Uncut Gems for a little bit. He's in, he's very up and coming. Christopher Plummer, he, he's Kevin Spacey's stand-in, obviously, yeah. after that. But then he did get an Oscar <laughs> nomination for that. Say no more. Yeah, say no more. He no. should not be named. But but yeah, I mean, the cast as itself is great in this. Yeah. Do you know what? Funnily enough, speaking of Kevin Spacey, um, did you watch House of Cards? I never did watch House of Cards, no. I don't, you know, better yeah, watch TV. Yeah, well, House of Cards is very good, and I would recommend watching it mm-hmm. if you have an interest in the Cassian Andor show. Oh, because yeah. uh, the writer, the showrunner of that is also working on Cassian. This is true. show, which got me very excited for it. Daniel Craig's accent is very uh, Frank Underwood in that show. Right, got you. Um, in a good way, because I, I think it's not controversial to say that although say what you want about Kevin Spacey's personal life, yep. and it's not good. Um, we'll stay clear of that topic for obvious reasons, but it's he's, he's a very good actor. 
you separate the artist from the art from the artist yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, Kevin Space is a very good actor. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can almost see Kevin Spacey playing the Benoit Blanc role in this film. Do you know what I mean? Annoyingly, yes, you can. And again, you separate the art from the artist. Yeah. History now looks at some of his roles and it makes you think, ooh. But he's a Kevin Spacey. Especially Frank Underwood. When you're like, you watch that and you're like, oh, Kevin Spacey was Frank Underwood. Or like a bit of um, beauty as well. Yeah. He's a very good actor, but yeah, you can. I could I could see him in this role. That's a compliment to Daniel Craig. Yeah. In a weird way. In a real, I'm not really speaking much sense, but in a, it is a compliment to Daniel Craig that he do, he plays that role mm-hmm. very very well, and I love that kind of character. That like weird southern twang that doesn't isn't actually a real accent. Like <laughs> like no one actually has that accent, but it's a complete caricature. Um, and I think now's probably a good time to go on to the sequel. Do you or have you got more you want to say about? Oh that? man, I've got. I mean, what I'll jump on to anything. What else have I got? Well, quite a lot. Well, first, I actually wanted to say there's a, there's a line from Hamilton in it, and I know how much you like Hamilton. I do like Hamilton. What was the line from Hamilton? It remind me. He shouts, "Immigrants, we get the job done." Yes, remember that line. Yep. And I remember looking at my wife and going, "Yes, Hamilton. give me all the Hamilton references." <laughs> and a big RJ does it for you. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets his cameo as a voice on a video, does. which is pretty sweet. I mean, just I mean, what what else is there to say about this film? Which I mean, it's everything. I mean, like, even the end credit song. Ryan said he put it in there so the usher could, ushers could have something to bop along to. What a nice guy! I think the film is uh, one thing we haven't really dove dove into before. We mention the sequel or move on is we've mentioned the score, which is done by I think it's Ryan's brother or his brother in law, Nathan Johnson. But the actual look of this film, the cinematography of this film, is is Stevie Edlin, who did Last Jedi, I believe. It's beautiful. Yeah, the he, white, is his, um, he is his go-to. He's his boy, isn't he? He looks yeah. incredible. And not, I mean, the, the, the shots of the house it and the way like they... It feels like a film film. So it feels like it's shot on film. Exactly. And it looks, like it's and it looks it. The way they utilise the, the actual house itself, because I know some of it, very, very few scenes were actually on a set. An actual set, the rest was actually shot on a house. So they, the way he shoots the house is magnificent. But also like the way he shoots certain scenes, like uh, there's a scene of Catherine Langford when she's on the phone to Marta, actually kind of having her heel turn where you think she's being really nice. And in fact, she's being duplicitous as that word again, because everyone's watching her. But she steps forward, duplicitous as a Benoit Blanc line. But she's looking, she steps forward and her eyes, you can see like a slit of light. It just um, illuminates her eyes. It's a very kind of like femme fatale uh, film noir type look. Uh, there's a shot of Benoit smoking his like ma- oversized cigar in the garden. You don't see him. You just see the smoke rising through the the blades of light coming through. And then his face appears in the light. It's very um, Apocalypse Now type thing. What is this CSI KFC? <laughs> <laughs> when that when that was in the trailer, uh, that's when I was like, uh, oh no, it's you were like Ryan, don't do this. <laughs> But in the film, it was. But in the context of the trailer, where there's none, no context, it was like, that makes no sense. It's a really bad line. In the film, it works, like the donut line. But honestly, I think Stevie Edlin shot the hell out of this film. It looks beautiful. And, and, and cinematography, like people for people, it isn't just how, how what fits in the frame. 
you know I mean, it isn't just oh, that's a nice picture I could hang on my wall. It's what you know. What is this scene telling you? What is it? What is in the scene? What is the mood? What's the emotion? And everything. Steve Edding gets a, does it so well. It evokes those murder mystery films of old, but it also, but also, there's it, it, something new. There's something pure, refreshing about it. And like I say, the shots of the characters, the way they're framed at times, is just awesome. I could, you know, eulogise for so long about how good this film looks. And Steve Edding, and I, how this didn't even get a cinematography nod. I think it should have done at the Oscars. And I know the Oscars aren't the be all and end all, but you know, it is a nice yeah, to get I mean, recognition. Again, uh, this film, I can't believe it only got, got one best Oscar screenplay nomination. I was, I can't believe that. I, I mean, I was just it even, to get the fact it didn't nom. even get a costume nom. No. Is, I thought it would be in the running for best picture. I didn't think it would win just because there are other films that do more Oscar bait. Uh, the, I thought it would be nominated. Because if, there's, if, there's this shots. kind of feels like Oscar bait. Well, do you it, know what I mean? The way, yeah, the main district is for the way it's written. It's... But there's 10 slots, but for some reason they never fill up, usually fill up the 10 best picture slots. I always put eight or nine in. The best director, I don't see why Ryan couldn't have been in there, but there were so many directors. If you imagine, remember the films that came out towards the tail end of last year, there were so many directors that could have been. And there was, I reckon there was at least 10 that could have been nominated, and unfortunately five couldn't, and Ryan was one of them. I was so hoping he'd get the nomination, and I really hoped and believe that this was going to get a Best Picture nom. Still disappointed that it didn't, because there are a few films I'll take out and put this in, but again, I'm not going to sit here and you know stop dumping on other films, but I think this was one of the best films of last year, for, me, for many, 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 many reasons. But again, okay, you mentioned, and you mentioned the sequel then. Uh, what do you got to say about that? This is where probably, I didn't really have any gripes of the film. This is probably where my downer side comes out a little bit. Gripes. The only gripe I had with the film, and again, this is, there's two, and these are very nitpicky. You mentioned the blood on the shoe. Mm. I have no issue with that, but I didn't really think it was that necessary, to be honest. You know what I mean? It showed that he, what it, it the, and at the end, it showed what a thorough detective he is and the fact that, you, like you said, yeah. you think it got away with it, him. It felt, it felt like uh, groundwork for a sequel. Yeah, so it, exactly. For it works in the film, but I do honestly. Again, if you take take those like the shot of her with the blood on her shoe and the very small scene of him saying, "You know, it's take it out, nothing changes." But again, it's doesn't it doesn't derail the film, and to even call that a moment which wasn't keen on is wrong. I really actually like the scene when he says, "I knew it was there all along." But if you want to be really nitpicky for me, you can take it out. And the only other thing is uh, Jaden Martell. He doesn't get as Jacob doesn't really get anything to do apart from be called an alt-right troll. Uh, I know he's the quiet one in the corner, and maybe that's indicative of his character, but he gets the least to do, and I think he's a talented young actor. So I'd have liked to have seen him get more to do, but like you said, when there's an ensemble, you've got to try and juggle everybody getting the right amount of screen time, and you can't just give somebody more because he's there. And I think he had more mm-hmm. to do in the deleted scenes, but Ryan always says, Ryan Johnson always says, when he has to take a scene out of a film, it is like heartbreak. His pain is painful for him because he mm. loves everything he shoots. So maybe Jaden had, well, he did have more to do in the deleted scenes, but is that, again, is that an issue of the film? No, it's just collateral damage. There's so many good actors in it. That one good actor, unfortunately, had to be sidelined and that was Jaden Martell, but that's it for yeah, me. It's good, it's good though when a film leaves you wanting more. Yeah, that's it. I mean? it. Exactly. It made me want wanting more. And the blood and the shoe isn't a plot point. It isn't an issue. It's just one thing where I think you could have probably taken it out and nothing changes. That aside, yeah. 
this film was damn near flawless to me, and it did get a 10 from me. Yeah, I'd give this a 10. I don't give many films yeah. 10s. And I've said to I'd you off, off air before, if I give a film a 10, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the perfect film and there's nothing wrong with it. It's every, it just means everything I wanted from it, I got everything I wanted from it. Everything I wanted. 10 out of 10. Yeah. doesn't mean, oh, this is as good as something like the Shawshank Redemption or The Godfather, which is you know seen as the untouchables. Shawshank is great. Godfather's good. It just means to me I've got everything I needed out of this, and it's a 10 out of 10. But, yeah. The Godfather's good. Hot take from Matt Hudson. <laughs> I like The Godfather. I really like it. But yeah, I, like I think there's it. a lot like of films that are – I think the second one's better than the first one. But, um, yeah, the sequel is greenlit. Ryan Johnson is writing it. He's directing it again. Benoit Blanc is returning. Uh, over to you, Isaac. I don't know how you do a sequel to this. That's, I'm slightly worried about it. Do you just do a completely different murder mystery with, like, like the um, Poirot one, Murder on the Inter Express? Do you just have different characters, different scenario, and the only thematic blink is Benoit Blanc, and we never mention yeah. the thrombies? Or yeah, definitely, definitely. I think you've got to leave this whole cast behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Um, which is a shame. I saw someone suggest, well, could you not just do the, uh, the film with the same cast, but them all playing different characters? I don't like when they I do that. I would love to see that. I would love to see I, that. Because I know American Horror Story has built a franchise, built, built a series off doing that, but because I'm a yeah. I'm a nerd and I'm so, I'm always got my nose so far in canon and all that kind of stuff. Or I'd be If they had Jamie Lee Curtis play like Masters Rowland in a different film, I'm like, yeah, but my head can't now not think of you as the slightly horrible one but also the sympathetic yeah, yeah. one I know. I don't husband was cheating on you and you gave him a black eye but so what are your worries in yeah obviously you mentioned the story I'm worried because this was a film that uh lives off its twists mm-hmm. and um the fact that it switches genres continuously throughout the film is what's so good about mm-hmm. it um i don't know how i don't know how you can do that again like without it feeling like a redo, that makes sense. No, no. So you're saying it's lightning in a bottle type thing where you can only catch it once this well. Yeah, yeah. Um, my only hope is he completely changes it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan hasn't done a sequel to one of his films yet, has he? No, he hasn't, no. So it's going to be his first sequel. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It's a good, it's a good challenge for him. I like that yeah. he's still... He's still pushing himself. Um, I worry about it a little bit, but again, this is a self-contained film. Like it, mm. if the sequel isn't good, this film will always be here. If that makes sense. Yeah, nothing, nothing changed. Nothing. It's like quote unquote retcons the events yeah. of this film. I'm with you to the to, for the most part because the you know you've this film was so well written. Unfortunately, the E word ex- expectation now comes with a sequel. People will be expecting. Bigger twist, they'll be expecting to be, you know, wowed even more. And I said, that's a big weight to put on your shoulders. I believe in Ryan. That's my, I'm going to get a t shirt. I believe in Ryan. I believe, I believe in Ryan. Johnson. I believe in Ryan Johnson. Um, but yeah, I believe that. I, to be honest, the way I can see it going is he comes out and judging by everything else he's done, he just does a completely different film that isn't even a murder mystery. Yeah, I mean, who would, who would be surprised if he did? I mean, maybe yeah, he'll do um, a more standard murder mystery because this because the murder mystery you get um there's always like it's like these parallel uh, plot lines going on you've got the investigator trying to find out what's going on which is what we saw 
And then they usually they always have the flashbacks to what actually happened when they get recontextualized, as we find out in this film, where it all it changes depending on who's telling it. So we always have that. Whereas in this film, like you mentioned, we find out who did it within the first twenty minutes. Maybe next time he will do a more Agatha Christie type one yeah. where you actually don't find out. Then it's like, yeah, but you did better in the first film. And I don't think he's a guy that is sit. Part of me hopes he almost doesn't do a mystery sort of film mm-hmm. at all. Because um, I said this is becoming a franchise. Yeah, I think that's just a buzzword. I think that's just a buzzword. But, like, I don't, I really hope he doesn't even call it Knives Out 2. No, I, th- I don't think it will be. I don't think it will um, be. Like, literally, if the only thing that's the same is Benoit Blanc, mm-hmm. I'll be happy. I like the idea that this is a sandbox which isn't a franchise. Let's not even call it that because I know that's what other people are calling it. I like the idea that at any point in his career, Ryan could just be like, hi, Daniel, should we do another one? And they're all unconnected to each other. So they could do these films for the next 30 years, like one every like not eight or yeah. nine years. And just like, Which would be great. Yeah, Which would be great. And that's just, like they, they can do it, that. but it's how they – he doesn't have to one-up himself. This isn't the whole I am your father, how are we going to beat the twist? He just needs to make a well-written film that's still clever. No, no, but the thing is, is that you're always, it's always going to get compared. Well, that's the problem now. It's, it's, he will, I have no doubt the next film would be well-written, but maybe the next film would be more of a challenge to Benoit. I don't know. I don't know maybe, maybe he'll find it more of a challenge and think, oh, this, this is the thing, because we have no idea what the film might, could, could be about, because it's still at least two two years away minimum. We don't know. I mean, when we find out, we can always revisit this and be like, right, actually, this could be fantastic. But there's always that worry that the sequel isn't going to be as good. Uh, to me, the sequel doesn't have to be as good. It goes back to it, doesn't it? That um, Benoit Blanc is a side character and he works really well as a side character. Yeah. Would he work as a lead? I, d- I still think he'll be the side character, the supporting character. It just again, But it also depends on the cast around him. Is he going to go for another all star cast, or you know, very, or is he going to go for more of a mix and match cast? Because this cast worked really well together. What do you do about the cast? Do you go into that territory where if each of these films is like a movie where you get to have your pick of Hollywood? Do you know yeah. what I mean? I can see so many actors that could be. Like Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson doesn't do sequels. No, no, yeah. And there's almost it almost feels like there's a reason for it in that. You can't See, compare one to the other. Thematically, yeah, like yeah, if you did Grand Budapest two, and it's like you're always going to be saying, "Well, that one dealt with the world better." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you keep him yeah. as a side character. I think they he can do it. It's just if it may, at this him. point, at this point, Ryan Johnson's probably my favourite director in Hollywood. So he can, if, if anyone can do it, it's Ryan. Yeah. You know. He's gone from me having never really heard of him before the Last Jedi to, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I'd seen Looper. That's what's stupid. Breaking Bad. Uh, uh, was it Ozymandias? Like, apparently, the greatest episode yeah. of that um, series. Yeah, but it, again, it was like it was ballsy, really, of Lucasfilm to pick him. It was. Um, it's when they were going through their hipster phase, wasn't it? Yeah, he's not a JJ. He's not a JJ Abrams, is he? Like JJ Abrams is proven. Well, um, well that's the question for you, though. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want this to be a Star Wars conversation. And I know you don't either. Uh, it's always going to be a Star Wars conversation with me and you, mate. Yeah, probably all beer or blue guys here. Shout out, deep cut to the sessions is out there. <laughs> Knives Out Two or whatever. Let's just call it Affinet Ko Two. He's also slated to do a Star Wars trilogy. Hasn't been cancelled. Hasn't been unconfirmed. With he's done a film like this, critically lauded, commercially successful, Academy Award recognised. 
does he go back to do a Star Wars trilogy? You know, again, the completely different circumstances to Last Jedi. His films, his characters, his story, for the most part, of course. Does does he have any kind of creative freedom like he did in a film like this? Does he think Knives Out 2 and other films in this wheelhouse are much more appealing? Or does he go and do, or does he think, well, in between doing these Benoit Blanc films, I am going to put out a Star Wars film. Where does he go? I think I think if he's allowed to do the Star Wars films, he'll do them. Mm-hmm. I, he strikes me as a guy that's like, not that he doesn't care what people think, um, but if he can do more Star Wars, he'll do it. I think I'd like him to, because I'd love to see him get his own trilogy of his this is the story. Thing. I kind of almost feel like if Knives Out had been bad, they'd have announced that it was cancelled by now. Yeah, the old uh, yeah, say trigger finger. Do you know what I mean? And not, not even trigger finger. I feel like Lucasfilm <laughs> announced stuff and then almost regret it. Yeah, you know, because they're like, yeah. it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. I still think it, I still think it's going to happen, uh, but I, but I, I, think I, I don't it, want it to be an expense of a Knives Out too. Oh, it won't be. I, if he's doing a trilogy, I, I honestly don't think he'll do it for another ten years or so. I think yeah, the slate. Well, well, yeah, you'd think so. Honestly, when it comes to Ryan, he did so well in this arena. Yeah. I want more, but he did so well with the Last Jedi. Let's not get me wrong. But for Knives Out, yeah. he did so well. I want more of that from him next. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. I think we've not heard anything on that trilogy because this film came out and it was very good. And they were like, "Yeah, we probably should just get this guy to do another film." Yeah. But let's not say anything at the moment. And I honestly think let's they'd be stupid not to. Again, far from be it from me to tell one of the greatest producers of all time, if not the, how to do a job. But because the man isn't a talentless hack. He's not ruined Johnson and all this rubbish that gets spouted. <laughs> the man is a damn good filmmaker. This film is evidence. Yeah, he's brilliant. Even if, even, I, and I actually think there is, there's a subset. I think there's a, a way you can have both. You can think he's a brilliant director and filmmaker, but not like The Last Jedi. Absolutely. But then I don't think, I don't think if you're a reasonable person, you can't watch this film and go, kind of wish this guy was making another, having another crack at a Star Wars movie if he didn't like Without the saga baggage when he can make his own story. And that's where Ryan works so best, like Brick, the Brothers Blue. Which in hindsight, they probably should have done in the first place. Would you agree? Uh, Well, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) In hindsight, I love The Last Jedi, but in hindsight, maybe don't give it to him. You know? Yeah, again, it's a weird sort of catch-22 because it's, potentially the best of the trilogy but also it is the black sheep of the trilogy now that we have it in its in its uh completed state but it does it is tantalizing to what he could do but yeah brothers bloom looper brick this when he's working off his own stories or his own independent uh from a franchise doesn't he's a very 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 talented man which is why knives out 2 is intriguing to me because i still think he could make a film similar to this, but make it different enough where it doesn't feel like a, a carbon copy. I have, yeah. and I think that's what he's going to do. I think it'll be Ben yeah, Blanc investigates. Yeah, as long as they can find a place for Frank Oz somewhere, I'll allow him to be that recurring character because he's. I think Frank Oz work being in this film is. I think that speaks louder than almost anything any actor has said about. They're working with Ryan on The Last Jedi. Does yeah, that make sense? Well, absolutely. But then, I think I mentioned to you before, obviously Frank Oz coming in, it shows the respect, mutual respect between the two of them, how much Frank enjoyed working with Ryan. But then some of the bigwigs from Lucasfilm moved on over to T Street, which is Ryan Johnson's production company, 
they've moved on over there to work with Ryan. So they've seen how he works and they're like, do you know what? I want to be part of this movement. I'm going to move from yeah. what you'd imagine was a desirable position in Lucasfilm. I mean, come on. But I want to go and work with Ryan in this independent studio because this is the way forward. He's a film lover's director. Yeah, Ryan and he's Johnson. obviously such an no, affable guy. The way he guy. does that in theatre commentary, he thing he did. Oh, mate, that's just, yeah, exactly. Go into the theatre, one ear in. You don't see anyone else doing that. And again, it may seem like small things, but he cares. No, but he's, yeah, and he's just always, he's like a puppy, right? <laughs> which is weird for me I like to him say. The he's like 20 years older than me, but <laughs> but he is like a puppy. Do you, know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? He just seems like he seems like a lovely you just guy. Watch anything I'm, with him. I'm glad he's doing. Oh yeah, I'm glad he's doing. You just watch anything with him, and he can just tell what he love whether it's something something on a smaller scale like this, forty million dollar budget isn't small, but you get me. Or even when he's on the Last Jedi, and and that when he's just like you could just tell he's just having he's living the dream, and he loves what he's doing, yeah. and, and you, you can't ask for anything more from a filmmaker. And in Knives Out, that comes across because to me. All of the actors are having an absolute ball. Chris Evans, you can tell he's absolutely digging that part. Jamie Lee Curtis, she is loving this part, being you know being back in the limelight because she's obviously had Halloween and that trilogy is now coming out again. So she's back in the limelight again, even though she's never really gone, but she's back. Michael Shannon, he's some of his roles can be dour with black comedy, but he's always fabulous in them. He's having a good time. Daniel Craig's clearly having a ball. Tony Collette, hereditary. Should have won Best Actress, didn't even get nominated. Still uh, bummed out by that. She look, Just look at the way she is in this film. Just like happy-go-lucky, free. Lakeith Stan... Hey, oh, man. God, everyone in this film is clearly like off. Can you imagine? That's not a bad, that's not a bad performance. Even um, even uh, the, uh, the uh, All Right Jaden Martell, he, yeah. He's yeah, not bad. He plays, he plays his character very well, I think. There's... Yeah, there's a lot. He's the sort of character where if this was Star Wars, he'd have a comic about him. Yeah, you know? but now he's he gets like the <laughs> yeah, he gets maybe the right amount in this film. But I just think everyone's. You could just imagine what it was like when the cameras stopped rolling. You could imagine that it wasn't like right, let's all do our own thing or go to our own trailers. You can kind of imagine there'd be more of a like family, not a community type feel to this film. Because Ryan seems like the kind of guy who brings people together and gets the best out of them, but also creates those bonds where. People, you know, you hear the stories about actors keep themselves to themselves. It looked like everyone was having such a good time on this film that they wanted to be on set wherever they can to be part of it. And honestly, just thinking about it now, you just it makes me, like you said, it makes me want to go and rewatch it now because it's it's eminently rewatchable. Mm. Murder mysteries don't always have that to me because once you know what happens, you can go back and watch it again and piece it together, and then that's kind of it. But now I want to go back and watch just for the fun, just for the ride, and just to see if there's anything else I missed. Yeah. And just for the dialogue, man, like we mentioned. Even the stuff when Benoit Blanc's just like riffing and making stuff up. Physical evidence can tell a clear story with a forked tongue. And like, they're like, what? <laughs> Their faces, like, what are you on about? <laughs> and the complexity and the grey lie not in the truth, but what you do with the truth once you have it. Great line. But then he'll look at Nana through the window and go, sweet beans. And it's just like... And how all the stories intertwine and can interconnect. And the donut line, I've got it. I'm going to read it to you, Pevy. And everyone listening, you've already heard this before. But when I read it, listen to how bad it sounds. Okay. I spoke in the car about the hole at the centre of the donut. And yes, what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in the donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see that the donut hole has a hole in its centre. It is not a donut hole at all. But a smaller donut with its own hole, and our donut is not a hole at all. <laughs> if 
you're listening, Ryan. Knives out too. I'm ready. But how absurd is that line? And that's the kind of line which you'd see leaked from the script, and you'd be like, "This is the kind of film we're getting." And you'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" But it, it he pulls it off because he because that's the character of Benoit Blanc, and you believe he can say this like absurd line so well. And I lo- I want to go back and rewatch that line and his monologue at the end where he's breaking everything down. Honestly, it's. This, this I did a best of the decade list at the beginning of the year. Obviously, this was in it because for the last ten yeah, years, I, I don't care if it came out one month before the end of the decade. This was in one. Of, this was one of my top twenty of the last ten years. Was how highly I rate this film. Well, like we, uh, like we said, mate, at the beginning, when you know, you know. That's exactly it. Um, when you know, you know. And this, this, this made a problem for me when I was trying to pick out my top five films. Uh, exactly, because you do think, is it, is it? Do I put it in there because it's so fresh in my mind, or was it really that good? And no, is that satisfying it feeling is, of? It's really that good. And that'll age. That'll age brilliantly. That film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, absolutely. Even with like the modern references, it will still age well. And I really wanted this film to be good. And when I came out, it wasn't a relief. It was just like it. It was like the build-up. Oh, really? For like a whole year before, because at the beginning of last year, I put out a most anticipated list of 2019 in January. And this film was on it when I knew nothing about it. It's out there for everyone to listen to. And to know that 11 months later, this film just knocked my socks off. And now still does. We can spend the last hour and 34 minutes talking about it. It's it's so gratifying. It's, and it's so good to when you look forward to something and it pays off in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't often happen. I mean, it doesn't often happen. Yeah. Which is again, the sequel, uh, as you so well put, even if the sequel isn't great, if it blows, then we'll still have knives out. I have a feeling that the sequel. I don't. I honestly good. don't think the sequel. I don't think it'll be a bad film. I don't. I don't think. I'm not sure Ryan can make a bad. Does film it have to be as good as Knives Out, or can it be? Can it just be it's very good? To to justify its existence, I think you've got a. It's got to be better, man. Like that's that's the standard he sets. You know, that's fair enough. No, that's fair enough. And I, I like I said, I believe in Ryan Johnson. My T-shirt slogan. We need to get that T-shirt, man. I will do it if anyone out there wants to point me in the direction of a graphic designer. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never trust those guys. No, yeah. Um, we'll wear it to the. We'll wear it to the next comic con. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, nobody will mind that, will they? Yeah. <laughs> that won't create that won't conversation create problems whatsoever. When running around with microphones, but so knives out. So um, okay, so it's kind of taking it back full circle. And I've already asked you this, but. In, now that we've spoken about it in greater detail and we've kind of just shot the breeze about it, Knives Out, what is the, what is like the one moment which stands out? Then what is your favourite moment? If you could pick one moment of Knives Out, it could be a scene, it could be dialogue, it could be like a look, a glance, a bit of cinematography. What say you? One moment. Oh. It's tough because there's so many. Yeah, that is tough. One moment, pro- probably Chris Evans uh, sitting there. Just like almost singing, eat poo, eat poo, eat poo, eat poo. I just, I love that. I love that scene because they're all, and that can't be easy to act. Like not not him, but like everyone talking at him, and it really feels like they just by that that very close up shot. It feels like the work, and you kind of hate him, but you kind of love his arrogance because you kind of at the same time. You, these people, you don't quite the thrombies. You don't quite trust their intentions, so to have somebody come in and just be like, and just be like, completely different to them, and just, and just because everyone else up to then has tried to be nice, and he doesn't do that. He just comes in and tells her how it is, like jovially going, 
Eat poo. Eat poo. Especially, especially and it's like a breath of fresh air, kind of as well. Uh, yeah, and it's just that's the moment, like because again, also it's Chris Evans as well, <laughs> which helps. Um, you're just like Captain America shouldn't be saying yeah, this stuff. It's handsome um, beefcake in this nice jumper shouldn't be saying that. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. It is a lovely jumper. It is it's a lovely jumper. The prices of that went up uh, exponentially after the after this film. I looked. About, <laughs> I bet. They yeah, really I bet. did sell out. We kept the film. And, but we kept yeah. It out. I think that's that's probably when I think of like a scene that stands out to me. That's, pro- that's probably it. But it's I feel like I'm forgetting one. You know, it's it's full of them. You know, it's full you of could them. pick loads of them. Uh, for me, if it wasn't, I mean, the score. I think the score is so good. It, it's not in your face, but it really works. His cousin, by the way, it's cousin, his cousin. He, that's right. I knew yeah, it is. He's done all of his. He's done all his other films except obviously. Well, you could step aside for John Williams, I suppose. Yeah, sure, we mentioned it off sure air, but the scene where Chris Evans is eating those biscoff biscuits, biscottis, because just because I like those biscuits, they're very nice. For me, it's Benoit <laughs> Blanc at the end when he is when he's just when he has that turn. He's like, "I'm not the idiot you guys thought I was. I've been I have been piecing together everything from the very start, and I'm going to lay it out to you now in a very detailed speech, like a like a stage actor t- um, taking control of the stage. Mm. I absolutely." Love that moment. Yeah, it went straight back to who done it. Yeah, exactly. And, and there is that, like that's like the convention of the genre where the where the detective then painstakingly reveals how he how he managed to piece it all together. But it's done so well. A charismatic Benoit Blanc. That for me is the best moment of the film. But the, everything we've just mentioned is also the best moment of the film. So <laughs> yeah, it's just great. Like I say, I can't fault the film. I actually can't fault the film. Uh, so that's why it gets a ten because I don't really give tens out. But that gets I can't argue that whatsoever. So that is a that is our knives out discussion. I've said before a few times, but if for whatever reason you didn't like the film, we'd be very interested as to why. Not so we can Gen- no genuinely would love to hear why you didn't like the film. Not so we can argue and tell you you're wrong, but because it's, it'd be just nice to have a viewpoint from someone who thought the film was bad or they didn't like it. That's we'd love to hear it because we are not the be all and end all. Believe it or not, our it's just, this is just our opinion on what we thought the film was. If you didn't like it, we'd love to hear it. But Isaac, knives out. Thank you so much for picking this film and helping me out of that. And thank you for coming on to talk about it tonight. Mate, I've loved this. We should do it again. We should do, we should do it more often. This time, next time I'll have a beer next time rather than this cold cup of tea. Yeah, you say this every time. I, I know, but the <laughs> problem is, uh, for those listening, Isaac usually buys the beer when I see him because he gets the beer before me. So I'm not used to it. Yeah, we're not allowed to see each other, are we? Yeah, so. of course, yeah, we're still in quarantine. So stay safe, everyone. Stay in. Perfect quarantine movie, this. This is an absolute... And this is one of the ones I think you can watch with anyone. You can watch it with your missus. You can watch it with your brother, your sister, your cousin, your mother, your father, your missus, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you can, your dog. You can watch it with anyone. And I think they'll enjoy it. It's not like one of those films where it is sort of targeted at certain people. This film is for anyone to watch and enjoy. I listened to um, The Incomparable. I don't know if you listened to it, but... Um... Jason Snell, the host of that, that that podcast, he goes, um, I had this weird feeling where I took my family to the cinema to see a film <laughs> that wasn't a big franchise. Yeah, yeah. It, there you go then. You, yeah, this is a, I'd say this is a family film. There's obviously the odd expletive. Um, but, you know, I think it's one of those films that you can take your 
you know, if your kids are sort of like early teens, they're fine. It's PG thirteen. Yeah, twelve A. The uh the rating system works. But um <laughs> it is one of those and it doesn't happen very much. You don't often get a family film that's a completely on its own thing. And I think that's quite refreshing. And I think he I think oh, even though the film gets a lot of praise, I don't think it gets praised enough. Nope. For honest. an original piece of work, it's bloody good. So Isaac if those out there listening to thinking this guy sounds pretty hunky and knows what he's talking about, where on <laughs> I'm not hunky. He, he can see his hair, he certainly is. Uh, where can the world find you online, my friend? Um, on Twitter, uh, at Isaac Pevy. Um, you'll get hot takes galore. Um, <laughs> you will. Uh, it's, mainly, it's mainly Star Wars tweets and Arsenal tweets. Um, but a lot of Disney as well because Disney's my main my main shtick. Um, and if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's less controversial, isn't it? It's just nice photos. So that's at underscore heavy. And what about and if anybody wants a, any designs graphically made, where can they find you there? Oh, um, message me on Twitter. My website is not uh, up at the moment. I'm in the process of redesigning Interesting. it. Um, but dovetail design. But um, just find me on find me on Insta- on uh, Twitter, and um, yeah, if you if you need a hand, I'll happily try and help you out. Uh, check out the Star Wars sessions. Uh, check out StarWarsSessions.co.uk and all the graphics over there. We did none of them. It's all done by Master Pevy himself. So Isaac, thank you very much. If you want to and just check out Star Wars sessions in general. Check us out in general. Probably I'll, I'll, plug, I'll plug that for you, Matt. It's a good thank show. Thank you, mate. I'll let you do that because otherwise it sounds egotistical if I do it. Yeah, no, good show. Good show. Reasonable guys talking about Star Wars. It's nice. Ironic. Probably be Britain's greatest <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> podcast. If you want to find me, starwarssessions.co.uk. What I watch tonight.co.uk, Instagram, Twitter. Just search for what I watch tonight. You'll find me. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes as well. There will be more reviews on there soon, I promise. It's just been a bit of a lull recently. Uh, but yeah, come if you like what you like. There's no new films coming out, really, is there? Like, exactly. So. <laughs> there's not much. And when there's not much, you think, well, I'm going to concentrate on other things. But if you like what you hear, please do consider leaving a good uh, review on your podcast provider of choice. And if you don't, don't tell anyone for that matter. But Isaac, thank you so much again for coming on, mate. Loved it. Everybody out there listening, thank you so much for listening. From me, thank you again. Stay safe. See ya. <laughs>